Welcome to another episode, I am the, and this is the Sussex Set. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am so happy to be back, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Okay, but let me first give a huge shout out to all of you, all of Harry and Megan's supporters, and really just anybody who came across the fundraiser for Archie and Lily's birthday between Archie's birthday and Lily's birthday, which just was the beginning of this month. You guys have raised over $100,000 for World Central Kitchen. Listen, this ain't new. We do this. However, it's still astounding because uh, we see the work that Chef Andres does with his organization across the world. I mean, where people are in need, he finds a way to get there, and as well as all of the other volunteers uh, for the World Central Kitchen. And so those are funds that I know are going to be put to good use. So give yourselves a round of applause because... What an incredible, and, and as well for the, the fundraiser organizers, um, what an incredible achievement. And also, if you did not know, Harry and Megan also gave a little bit of a shout out to their supporters who have all contributed to this fundraiser. When they released the picture of Lilibet, they remarked that they are, quote unquote, amazed at the efforts that everyone has contributed to in raising all of the funds. And that's one thing I can say about Harry and Megan. They pay attention to what's happening in their fan base. To what extent? I don't know. But of course, when something like this happens, as with the CamFed uh, fundraiser, um, there's been many other fundraisers, I think, over the past couple of years. They have all noticed, you know, when Archie was born, they even made a post on their Instagram or reference to uh, that on on Archie's on their Instagram (laughs) when Archie was born. There was a fundraiser for that. So they are always shouting out their supporters for the work that we do. (laughs) And it also is something that I think is hopefully is something that they will tell their kids about in the sense that, as they have said, service is universal and that service is really um, the price we pay to be here, as the quote goes. So um, shout out to Harry and Megan for shouting out the squad because, you know, We love that. Like, I really, really do. Because Harry and Megan, both individually and together, have, oh, well, especially Megan, right? Because she had her own Instagram and she was very uh, in touch with her fans. But Harry made that reference after they left Africa. We need the support. We know there's support out there, but we don't take it for granted because we need it. Uh, and to know that they still recognize that support. You can even see that at the in the Invictus Games when some of those squaddies were there. So we love that. I love that. But you know what else I love? I love that Harry and Meghan's existence as a happily married couple shines the brightest of lights on those that envy them the most. Yes, that green-eyed tyrant called Envy is kicking a lot of girls behinds right now. See, because it was all fun and games when the only news you ever heard from the Sussexes was what their production plans are, you know, or a a Zoom or virtual engagement here or there. But it's another thing to actually 
see them again as a married couple. And I'm speaking specifically about the haters and the critics. Because one thing Sussex Squad knows about Megan, Megan goes into hiding. <laughs> Megan goes into hiding. Okay, so, I mean, outside of the the trash articles and things that the tabloids write about Megan, we hardly ever see her. Oh, but when we saw her, mama was in her bag. And it's not even really about the fashion. It's about the aura of the woman, like the confidence that shines from within her. And then the confidence that she has as a mother and a wife and someone that y'all said that she wasn't going to last, right? She wasn't going to stick around. Harry wasn't going to protect her as he should. He would get tired and come home. None of that happened. But he came home quite briefly to accomplish his aims. Uh, But to see them as a married couple, that is more solid than ever. And you can see in the looks that they exchange with one another that they have each other's backs and that they're a united front. Boy, what a contrast when you throw them in the mix with all the other royal couples. We've seen a lot of heads explode silently and not so silently in this past week. Because in seeing the Sussexes as they are, live in technicolor, a lot of folks just realize that they failed. They have nothing to show for their evil. And all of that envy and hate has just caused England to embarrass itself further in front of the rest of the world. And Harry and Meghan have effectively carried on with their lives. And so that's where I will start with the Jubilee. Now, in the lead up to the Jubilee, I know there's, there was a lot of talk about, you know, whether Harry and Meghan should go, whether they shouldn't go, what it would mean if they did go, um, what it would mean if they didn't go, or what it could possibly mean if they didn't go. Well, I'm of the opinion that someone is going to be unhappy no matter what they decide. I already figured Harry was going to go. At least Harry was going to go. Uh but maybe Megan went in support. She wanted to meet the queen or see the queen and introduce her daughter to the queen. Uh, and we know that that was important to Harry. Now, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, Harry and Megan, even though that is Harry's family, is still in support or could possibly still be seen as in support of an institution that is at its root a white supremacy institution. Which, let's just face it, the British monarchy is that, as well as other monarchies uh, around Europe, but especially the British monarchy. And some of the conversation was, you know, your wife went through so much. How could you guys go back in support of uh, basically this party weekend, which is just celebrating 70 years of Elizabeth being the queen, which that's not something that you earn. It's just literally birth privilege. Um, to head an institution that carried out atrocities all over the world, which they did. That's not debatable. Uh, Harry and Meghan have been the most vocal about the monarchy needing to come to terms with its existence and its past uh, in, you know, Zoom calls and, and conversations that they've had while they were still affiliated with the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. This was after the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter protests pretty much cropping up all over the world. 
And for a lot of people, Harry and Meghan just being there, like being in the presence of the other royals who um, promote the institution as a part of their day job, was also giving legitimacy to the monarchy, which is, again, a white supremacist institution. Okay, I don't actually disagree with that assessment. And of course, I know that's not their intention. They don't go there with they they didn't go to England with the intention of uh, giving support to a white supremacist institution. But that just is what it is. It is a white supremacist institution. Now, that being said, I know that their objectives were to go into the Jubilee weekend with two primary goals. One, to see the queen. Harry even mentioned that in the weeks before the Jubilee uh, when he was talking about a security. I want to see my grandmother and I want to introduce my daughter to my grandmother um, as soon as possible, I believe he even said. Those were their aims and that's what they did. Despite how I or you or any individual may feel about the queen as a head of state or even a person, even as a grandmother. Harry and Meghan have always spoken very highly of her as a person, and they have not been shy about that. And again, despite our individual views, because I still always will say she could have done far more uh, for the Sussexes in offering them protection while they were there offering them cover in ways that she could have um, from the press, even while they were in America, you know, with Lilibet, her name being revealed and that whole entire shitstorm. Even now with rumors that the queen told them, no, they can't bring a photographer in when I have it on good authority that a photographer wasn't even present uh, but no, you know, no cover there either, which, by the way, Harry and Meghan, maybe they just don't feel like they need it. But despite all of that, they've always spoken highly of the Queen. And I believe Meghan has a genuine fondness for uh, the Queen as well as Harry, obviously. So I say all that to say that both things can be true at the same time. But I think it's a weight off of Harry's shoulders that he was able to introduce his daughter to his grandmother, especially as her health is failing. I mean, the Jubilee weekend, the whole four days took place. She only went to a handful of events. And now that might have been a blessing for Harry and Meghan because apparently they got to see the queen on more than one occasion. Uh, so if his goal was to make sure that his children... Uh, spent time with the queen and that he could also see her. I say mission accomplished for them. The last time Harry and Meghan participated in Trooping the Color, I believe Meghan had just given birth to Archie. And they rode in the carriage. I believe Meghan and Harry were in the same carriage with Camilla and Kate. And, you know, that was the last time that they were all on the balcony. This was definitely pre-corona. <laughs> obviously. Uh, and, you know, that same year they left. And I'm just thinking about that. You know, it's amazing that Megan ever goes back to that country, <laughs> honestly, because every memory that I have 
with her doing things in and around the family, there was always some really nasty shit being written about her. So, for example, when she was she had just given birth, like just months prior, and they were fat shaming her when she was in the carriage. And then remember when they went on the balcony and uh, God Save the Queen was playing. And so she turned around to sing. But they said that Harry had, you know, yelled at her like how do you even I, I don't understand how you don't have trauma when you go back around the folks but that also explains to me why they weren't really around the rest of the family the queen is one thing but they had a, apparently no interactions with will and kate i think they met charles and camilla and i th- i can understand that he's a grandparent And I think Harry definitely wants to mend that relationship, even though I think Charles is a shitty dad. Um, He's still a grandparent. And maybe Harry has a little bit more empathy for him now that he is a, a parent. But at least as far as Meghan is concerned, this trip, in some ways, it's no different because they still had a lot of crazy things to say about Megan and Harry both before they came while they were there and then after they left but again Harry and Megan Megan is not in that weak space where she was like emotionally where she was while she was pregnant and then after she gave birth to her son she's just in a stronger position right so even though they're they're writing the same crap you got to think like between then and now she sued the daily mail and one or associated newspapers and one harry has sued <laughs> and, and 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 by the way one because let me remind you one even though will and kate's right hand man was giving testimony for the organization that she was suing and eventually beat so mama had an uphill battle no matter what uh, which, which I, I will say again, understandably, I, I can see why people would say, well, why are you even going back there? Like, I get that. But I also understand Megan, if she felt like she had something to prove, if nothing, then that she was all right, or to simply show that you didn't beat me. And although I was down, I wasn't down for the count and the machinery did not defeat me. In fact, one could argue that I'm defeating it and I'm doing it in Dior. Yeah, I think Harry and Meghan had something to prove. And who am I to say that they shouldn't go out and prove it? The last time we saw them with the family uh, in this type of setting was the Commonwealth Service right before the world shut down in March of 2020. Megan wore the green cape dress and those infamous photos where it's the Cambridges, the Wessexes and the Sussexes. And everybody is basically giving a cold shoulder to Harry and Megan, Megan in particular. And that has come back to haunt the royal family in a very weird way. But I love that for them because it's what the girls deserve. Uh, This time. Megan came through. Harry came through, they got out of their vehicle, you know, greeted. I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Lord Mayor? The guy with the red, the red uh, cape on. 
They greeted the folks going up the stairs. They got plenty of applause. I don't believe there were any boos. God knows I didn't hear any boos, but hey, you know, the papers got to write what they're going to write. That's their narrative. You know, that was their whole thing even months before, probably even more than a year before Harry and Meghan came back. Would you boo Harry and Meghan? Uh that was their thing. That that's what they were. That was their wet dream. That's what they wanted to see. It didn't happen, but they manufactured the headlines anyway. But they got their cheers on their way inside St. Paul's Cathedral and they walked that aisle. And I mean, they walked it like it was their wedding day all over again. Megan and White, and I live for it. I live for it. Now, I don't know. Of course, the commentator said, well, you know, that was something that was highly, I don't know if he said choreographed, but every detail is, you know, planned out. So the queen might have made room for them to have their own walk, you know, into the church. Hey, it is what it is. I am of the belief that whatever happened with Harry and Meghan while they were there was exactly what Harry and Meghan wanted to happen. So including the lack of a balcony appearance, they didn't want to be on the balcony. Um, including their walk into the church to their seats and including where they actually sat, um, as well as what they did for the days that they, they were there. I think they were only there like the next day and then they left. Uh, they had Lily Betts' little one-year-old celebration and then they dipped. But it was such a different vibe from the last time the Cambridges, the Wessexes, the Cornwalls, and the Sussexes were all in the same room. And it is so bizarre to me. And it has to be for them, especially Megan, right? But she 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 really handles herself extremely well. But like when you think about it, it has to be so bizarre to have everyone looking for tensions. And we're talking about a room full of hundreds of people as well as like the rest of the world because it's broadcast live, uh, at least within England. Looking for tension, like everybody's looking for any sign of something, both from the Commonwealth Service in in 2020 and, and then this time when Harry and Meghan are in the room. That has to be really weird for that to be playing out in front of people. But Harry and Meghan don't care. They're doing their thing. They're they're living their life. They know what they came to do. And it just is what it is. So they handled themselves. But you know who didn't rise to the occasion? You guessed it. The Cambridges. But especially Kate. And see, this is where Envy has to come back into the conversation. Because did you see the tweet that I posted? That little four-second video? of Kate when she finally got to her seat, the bad posture row, because everybody's slouching, looking over her shoulder, back behind her to where the cousins were sitting, Eugenie, her husband, Beatrice, her husband, Harry, his wife, looking over at her shoulder, honey, looking over her shoulder, I should say, at Megan. Wow. Wow. I don't know if she said, wow, but that's what it looks like she said. that That's what the consensus is anyway. But uh, you can see it in her eyes. 
And this is what I mean by Harry and Meghan's union highlighting the failure of other unions. Their marriage, the strength of their marriage, their love, whatever you want to call it, I think it caused quite a few wives in the royal family to look at their own marriages. But if no other royal wife has been examining her marriage in that royal family since Meghan joined, it is Kate. Now, just looking at Will and Kate's interactions at the church on that particular day, he wasn't helping her up the stairs. He wasn't helping her down the stairs. He was leaving her while she was talking to other people, not waiting, not taking a few steps and looking back and waiting for her to catch up. I mean, dude just straight bounced. Embarrassing. And I'm not talking about at the church. I'm talking about after the service because she was still wearing a yellow dress. I'll try to find the video and put it in the uh, the clip and put it in the actual YouTube video for the podcast. But um, no courtesies given to his own wife. And so it's indicative, just like looking at how they interact with each other, Will and Kate. It indicates that something is going on there. But they're still trying to fake the funk. Whereas when you see Harry and Meghan, there is nothing to fake over here. And so when you see Meghan and you see, you think back to all the protection, even though she was probably treated the worst of any royal wife in recent history, with the exception of Diana, because they they just did her dirty. But Meghan got the protection that was due her, even if no one else thought she deserved it. But Harry, she got it. Kate, on the other hand, while she has the protection of the institution, she does not feel a sense of protection from her own husband. And while there are a lot of things going against Harry and Meghan in their ordeal, a lot of folks just coming at them for all kinds of crazy reasons and just drumming up all kinds of hate with the, the tabloids. Um, I think a lot of that was driven by Will and Kate. And Kate had her own angles. And I'm of the belief that the last thing Will and Kate really bonded over was their unified attack against Harry and Meghan. They were on the same page with that. I also believe that Kate has been envious of Meghan from the very beginning. And the media and the tabloids, they try to play her as innocent. But her mom is an attack dog. Again, William is also angry all the time. He's a fucking tyrant. And there's envy towards Harry, I think, from Will because Harry has all the things that Will has always wanted for himself, right? He would say as a child, well, when I'm king, this will happen. When I'm king, uh, you won't be able to do this. When I'm king, things are going to be this way and that way. Okay, that's what any child would say, but I think Will really carried that shit into adulthood, He's not king yet. He's not even the next in line. But that's also a prison to be in as well. And Diana was very clear about the fact that the institution itself is a bit of a prison. Harry can come and go as he pleases. Within reason, obviously, he still has his security concerns. But I think to see him and Megan back after all of that, as they are. It represents everything that Will and Kate are not. That they wish they were, 
but they simply are not. And so when Kate looks over her shoulder at Megan or Megan and Harry and says, wow, which I don't know what she was referring to, but she certainly had an interest because she she almost had to turn her whole body just to get a glimpse. It doesn't surprise me. And by the way, here's that attention you ordered. Here's that spotlight you ordered. It's all yours. Enjoy being on the front row. Harry and Meghan are more than content being the quote unquote second row royals. They were on the second row in 2020. They're happy where they are, but are you happy where you are? Enjoy being on the front row with no friends and a husband who can't fucking stand you. And William, you can enjoy being on the front row too with your big old ball spot and a lifetime of slavery that you didn't sign up for. You tried to create a popularity contest and you lost because that's what this was really all about from the beginning. Harry and Meghan came in. They called all four of them the, what did they call them? The fabulous four. But Harry and Meghan, they're just a dynamo as a couple. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Because you could have used that. I say it all the time. That could have propelled y'all forward. Now, while I don't understand why any woman would want to marry into that institution, clearly Megan married for love. Because, I mean... I don't know who would really sign up for that shit. Kate waited 10 years just to sign up for it. But see, Kate is not Megan. Kate is the one who nobody really talks badly about anymore. In the beginning, they, they kind of did. But nowhere near what Megan got. But yet, Megan still married for love. That being said, within that framework, Harry and Megan were the it couple. But instead of using that, you used them, made them the punching bag, and they dipped. And that envy and jealousy has gotten the better of you. And now Will and Kate, they can't do nothing but just look at each other. I mean, I bet they hate the sight of one another. <laughs> and I mean, listen, that's, that's a tragedy in and of itself, especially if you're in a marriage where you feel like you can't get divorced. They can divorce. I mean, Charles and Diana divorce, but they ain't finna do that. Kate gonna sit there content as ever, trapped like a bitch. Because if she's not the Duchess of Cambridge, what is she? If she's not Will's wife, what is she? What does she do? What has she done? Has she built anything? So I don't see her going out into the world doing anything on her own. She will take whatever she has to take she is not like diana she is not like megan she will sit there and she will take it so everybody's talking about the soft launch for the divorce i don't believe that's happening i mean it could happen you know they throw women away all the time you know she did her job she got a couple of heirs uh an, an heir and a couple of spares but that's not going to happen because what would happen with will's popularity you know, they already make Kate, Kate out to be a saint and they're banging on her to be able to usher in the monarchy for the next however many years until it gets to will. Kate ain't going nowhere. I don't care how unhappy she is. And we know Will is unhappy. He's just unhappy. I bet he cursed the day he was born. Because he does not want to be king. Mm-mm. He wants his life. He wants to be playing polo in Santa Barbara. 
He wants to be able to go around the world and do whatever he wants to do or whatever he whatever he feels like doing with his friends or whatever. But I think it's there's karmic beauty in the fact that they can't they have to pretend for the, you know, next couple of decades at minimum to be content with the lives that we know they are just not happy with. So good for them on that. Uh, and leading up to the Jubilee, there was all this talk about Harry and Meghan. Oh, well, they're just going to come over here and overshadow the queen. They're going to make it about themselves. And all of that, what did we learn? We learned that Harry and Meghan, again, just by being there, overshadowed the family, overshadowed the Jubilee, even all of the articles were about Megan and Megan's clothes and Harry and Megan being there. And, you know, the, the tense relationship and the tense last time that they were with the family at the Commonwealth service in 2020. That's just because everybody else is so dull, but they came, you know, they weren't going to allow the family to say that they weren't there or to say that they didn't care. So that was another one of their objectives. But imagine being so dull that Megan, like not even a great picture of Megan in a window with four little girls just playfully talking makes more news than like literally everybody else that day. People didn't even get a good glimpse of the hat before they bought it. You know, one of these things is just not like the others. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Again, y'all could have been using that, but you chose to be racist instead. So when they say, you know, oh, well, they overshadowed. And I believe by the end of the Jubilee, they said Harry and Meghan's absence overshadowed the Jubilee. So what do we learn? There is a uh, it's pretty much a no win situation for Harry and Meghan. They came, did what they had to do, and they left and they look good doing it. And I mean, for God's sake, Meghan can't even roll down her car window without being called a brazen hussy. We're talking about power, like real power, because if you if your hatred for this person is so strong and you don't even know her. And everything you know about her points to her being a solidly decent person. But yet that's the energy that you're bringing. That says a lot about you. But it also says a lot about the fact that she doesn't let you dim her shine. She doesn't change who she is. I think, again, this is more contrast that we're drawing, that I'm drawing between Kate and Megan as an example I think Kate's response would be to alter who she is to change her approach to things so that it doesn't make so many other people unhappy listen all Megan did was just exist in a car with her window down and she got called a name so this is what I mean Kate never had it as hard as Megan has it in that country but that's not going to stop Megan from doing what she needs to do in her life but as a side note, shout out to all my brazen hussies and bad bitches because there's nothing that a racist white motherfucker hates more 
than a black woman who knows who she is, who knows who she is and won't be cowed. And as a matter of fact, there's not a single negative thing that was said about Megan or Harry and Megan that changes people's opinions about them, for better or for worse. But to be honest, all it does is expose Megan's treatment, like the vile way that she is treated in that ghetto fucking country, uh, exposes that treatment to other people who can't quite understand why y'all hate this woman so much. And frankly, it makes y'all look a little bit crazy. Well, a lot crazy. It does zero favors for the royal family, especially when folks in your country have to rely on food banks just to feed themselves and their families. Maybe not everyone, but more people than like three years ago, four years ago. So even to people who are in England, who don't even pay attention to the royal family, the anti-Megan refrain is getting old. It is getting tired. And they're going to find out the hard way just how tired people are of them when Elizabeth joins Philip in the great beyond. Omid had a piece recently about how the royal family, it has lost its luster. And what this weekend shows a lot of people is that the royal family without the queen, because the queen is the final saving grace for all of the rest of those folks that, that you may or may not have seen over the Jubilee weekend. When the queen is no longer there, they're going to have a hard time making a case for why they are needed. Add to that the fact that you don't have the superstars of Harry and Meghan that you can actually use to your benefit. Why are you there? What benefit do you add to the people specifically? Up to this point, they haven't really demonstrated that. You know, and I feel like the Jubilee, if anything, was like a final goodbye. This is the end of her reign. It is simply the end. They have spent all of their energy on Harry and Meghan rather than making the case for their relevance. Well, anyway, after the church service on Friday was Lily, Lily Bet's birthday. The Sussexes went back to Windsor, uh, to Frogmore Cottage, where apparently they celebrated Lily's birthday with, you know, friends. And um, I don't know that Eugenie or Beatrice was there. I don't think so. But um, maybe they were. I don't know. But of course, we saw the pictures, which I am going to talk about in just a moment. But I'm glad they were actually able to spend time with friends, people that they like and respect and who like and respect them and their children and uh, and just make the day about Lilibet who turned one. I, I like can't believe how quickly time flies. But I guess after that or a little bit later in the day, because apparently they left after, um, I think on Saturday, right? And they were in the air on Sunday or back at Frogmore. Um, I'm not Frogmore, back in Montecito uh, by Sunday or on Sunday. They left before or during that final pageant uh, where we saw the royal family and their 
weird ass shenanigans uh, sitting there for hours and hours watching the pageant. Harry and Meghan were wheels up. I like that. I like that about them. <laughs> I honestly love that about them. They don't waste no time. They do not waste no time. Again, they did what they came to do and they left. But they got to see the people that are important to them. And unfortunately, it ain't, or fortunately, really, it ain't Will or Kate or their kids. Now, that's what a lot of people were watching for, particularly like royal reporters and and people who have made a living out of writing about the royals. Uh, Was Harry and Meghan going to have any interactions outside of the regular engagements? Was they didn't have any interactions with the Cambridges during the engagements? Not to my knowledge. They might have had it on Troop in the Color Day. We really didn't get to see them, but apparently there was none. Omid said that there was none. The kids did not get invited to the birthday party. And it's no slight against the kids. You know, and it's not like they were, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese or nothing like that. But for one, they were in Wales. So we knew that the Cambridges were going to be in Wales. I didn't see Louis in Wales. Now, maybe Louis or Lewis went to Wales, but he didn't go on any of those engagements. And that's where I was just like, damn, do they lock him in the attic or what? But we knew that on uh, like a week ahead of time that the Cambridges were going to be in Wales on Lilibet's birthday. So didn't expect them to be there. But even if um, they wanted to come, I'm of the belief that they were not invited. Because Harry and Meghan just don't fuck with them. You know, and that's sad for the kids because the kids don't really get to, you know, be around their cousins. Um but oh well oh well right but wouldn't you know it that as soon as harry and megan leave you know and after you know the little articles of well harry and megan they left before the the jubilee was even over that's so disrespectful well wouldn't you know it that apparently will and kate have gone to their friends in the tabloids it appears Uh, To say that we were invited. We didn't want to go. They stay lying. Like why they lie so much? Harry, if Harry wanted to have a relationship with you, he could. He don't want one, or at least it appears that way. And I know for sure if Megan know like I know, she don't want one. She don't want no relationship with y'all. They got plenty of friends. It's sad that, you know, you only have one brother, but look at what he did. Literally tried to kill your son. How do you mend that? The relationship is space and it will be space. But leading up to the Jubilee, there was talk of, oh, well, you know, William is trying to... uh, you know, mend the relationship and they have weekly Zoom calls or FaceTime calls. They are trying to rebuild. We don't have any evidence of that. That memoir is still coming out. I don't really know if he would talk about those types of details in the memoir, but I don't believe that's true. Not for a second. I didn't believe it was true because if it was true, they would have made a point to see each other while they were in the same country. 
Does that make sense? While they were in the same city, that might've been a passing, Hey, hello, how are you doing? I mean, cause at one point, at least for the troop in the color, before the whole balcony thing, they were all sort of in the same little area. So I would imagine at minimum, it's a, hey, what's up? How you doing? But not too much more beyond that. But Will and Kate are now trying to spin it as if they were the ones who told the Sussexes, we don't want to bother with you. When, girl, you clearly want to bother with them the way you craning your neck to look at them over your shoulder in the church. You want to be bothered. You want to see how they live in. Of course you want to be bothered. Yeah, you do. You want to be asked and invited. You do. But you're not. Now, this is the second trip in a row where Harry, actually, possibly even the third, <laughs> where Harry has been in the country. And the last two trips has been Harry and Meghan because on the way to the Invictus Games, they stopped by to see the Queen. But this is like the second or third trip in a row where Harry has not gone anywhere near the Cambridges. Now, for the Invictus Games weekend, apparently they were on a ski vacation. Maybe that was by design. But even before then, Harry made time for Charles. He made time for the Queen. I think before then it might have been just the statue unveiling or something like that. Um, and they were there together, obviously, but Harry ain't spending no real time with Will and he didn't spend any time with him this time. That relationship is still very much space. The only difference between William and Harry is Harry don't care what the papers write about him because they're going to be writing a bunch of bullshit anyway. William is trying to use that tool that he has in his back pocket to control the narrative. But I think people are seeing increasing numbers of people who are not even paying all that close attention are seeing that the Cambridges, there might have been a moment where they had a lot of power, but they don't have as much power within that institution as they wish they had. You know, possibly if the monarchy is still around, they will eventually when Charles is looking, you know, decrepit and old like the queen or he's no longer, you know, alive or something. But like. Y'all not really movers and shakers within this environment and people just don't give much weight to what the Cambridges do or say anymore because it's all so repetitive Um people recognize the same tricks. Meanwhile, Harry and Meghan are still getting headlines just for going to polo matches, just for, you know, walking down an aisle at church. Even again, just for being absent, they grab headlines. And if you go to a lot of these tabloid websites, which, you know, I wouldn't really recommend it, but if you do, and you do a search of like, Megan's name you're going to see articles of Will and Kate pop up under there too because they don't get clicks they don't get clicks they write articles about them fluff articles right but they they use search engine optimization and are always putting in Harry and Megan's name just to drive traffic and interest toward Will and Kate 
That's sad because the papers are supposed to be your friends. And they don't even really want to write about you, but they got to get eyes on you somehow. And now they're transitioning into a phase where they're basically pushing their kids to the forefront. Their kids are still little, right? Ivy Barrow, and if you check out her channel, Sussex Global, has talked about child labor laws and how international figures or folks should really like look at that and see how that might apply to the Cambridge kids because while they're not actually going on like working engagements where it's just them, they're still being put out there and then with the expectation that as they get older that they will be workers, right? This is like considered free labor, but it's magnified by like the presence of the press and selling papers and using these children's images to drive revenue. Because again, the Sussexes are just not there. They will still write about the Sussexes, but you see Harry and Meghan, they're going to show you a picture of their kid once in a blue moon. Yeah, once in a blue moon. But Will and Kate are pushing their kids really out there. Now, I understand this weekend or the Jubilee was might have been a little bit of an exception because it was just four days of nonstop monarchy, 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 and the kids were just there. But at times, it still really felt like overkill to me. And I really feel for those kids because they don't ask for it. And so when you look at the behavior of Lewis, not to necessarily analyze that, and after all, he is just a four-year-old and the baby of the family as well. But like, I don't think any of those kids should have just been sitting there for hours and hours and hours. Uh, You know, not to call nobody a bad mother, but I mean, listen, it's a lot of four-year-olds don't necessarily act like that even if they are sitting there but again he's just a kid he's just he's innocent you know but um the way they're starting to push those kids out front I think because they realize that whatever was working for them as the adults is not working for them anymore it's kind of grotesque but we know that's something that the Cambridges do often is whenever they're not getting the headlines they want they stage paparazzi photos with the kids like or remember the whole flyby thing they had the kids on the tarmac they use their kids they offer their kids up to the tabloids um just to cover where they you know to cover themselves for what they lack and it's just it's just so sad but Kate being the Elias expert, maybe she knows something we don't. Maybe she has additional pie charts and graphs that she's keeping to herself. I don't know. But I will say this. If Lewis was Archie and Kate was Megan and all other things being equal and Archie's basically just being a four-year-old, but I won't say a typical four-year-old because, again, I didn't act like that when I was four years old, but I also wasn't raised by a nanny. Um, Oh, girl, Megan never would have heard the end of it. 
because they, they try to call Megan a bad mother now. Y'all remember that white lady uh, who, who writes books? I don't really can't remember her name. Emily or some shit um, was reading um, after Megan was reading Duck, Duck, Rabbit to Archie. She called Megan a bad mom. She said she wasn't maternal. Girl, they would have ate Megan up if Archie showed that type of disrespect to Megan. They would have given Archie like a virtual high five and said something like, yeah, Archie, we hate that bitch too. (laughs) Or some shit like that. Like Megan never would have heard the end of it. But do you see how the media turned that? And which I'm not saying they they should have come down on anybody. The kid was sitting there for literally hours. But we know what would have happened with Megan. But with Kate, they turned it into, oh, well, Kate's just like us. Oh, well, you know, Kate really is going to be um, not looking forward to those teenage years. Or, oh, well, you know, Kate, we've all been there. You know, they turned it into, which I guess technically really anybody should be given that grace parenting is hard but it is safe to say that Kate has it a lot easier than a lot of other folks as far as being a parent goes she has so many resources other than just leaving him right because they like to leave Lewis a lot Um, but you know what, maybe, and this is another sad thing, maybe they're not going to be leaving him as much anymore because Lewis did get a lot of headlines, which is crazy because he's a four-year-old. But if they're going to always spin it in favor of the Cambridges when clearly somebody is lacking in the parenting department, at least in, in some area, um, they're probably going to bring him out more just so they can have everybody say, oh, well, what a lively little fella or what have you. But it could be Harry and Megan because they keep their their children guarded because not only would Megan not get the same grace that Kate got in that situation, their children wouldn't get the same grace. So even if they are white, redheaded children, they wouldn't. So I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, we have finally gotten a picture of Lilibet um, as a one-year-old. What an adorable little girl. And, and when I tell you she gave birth to Harry twice, it blows my mind how much Lilibet looks like Harry. Uh, but I felt that they were going to release a picture but I knew they weren't going to release it while the Jubilee was still going on. Um, because again, taking away opportunities for people to say they tried to overshadow anybody, even though ultimately that's what the people said. That's what the tabloids wrote anyway. Um, but I felt like they were going to release a picture and I'm glad they did. And I was so like, I was like, I keep seeing this baby on my timeline. Is that Lily? And then I saw Frogmore in the background. And then, of course, you know, everybody's like tweeting it and retweeting it. Um, what an adorable little girl and what a great picture. Um, I love that Misan Harriman took the picture. You know, he's documented, at least for the pictures that they've shown the public. Um, so many great moments 
for them as a family. And it was nice to know that he got to shoot a couple pictures in person uh, because he and his family, his gorgeous girls, his wife were, were, were also there. And um, I don't know who else was at the Frogmore Cottage um, for a little bit, but, you know, her birthday party. But um, whoever all went, I hope they had fun. It seemed to be pretty low key uh, and just people being surrounded by people that they love and that's how it should be so again William and Kate and their kids were not there obviously they were in Wales but I again happen to be of the belief that they were not invited um and that to me shows me that Will and Kate are the problem um but nobody wants bad energy to corrupt something as precious as your daughter's first birthday and I read a really great piece in the Irish Times about how the release of Lilibet's picture for her one year birthday demonstrates why Harry and Meghan just don't come to England all that often and why they should probably not go back unless somebody died. In essence, it demonstrates why they left, like the reaction to the picture demonstrates why they left. Now, for the reaction that I saw, most of it was overwhelmingly positive. But a lot of it was just still sort of layered with that backbiting, trying to compliment the the baby while trying to, like, hit Megan over the head in a weird way. I don't know how derangers and, you know, haters and racists do it, but they are gold medal Olympians when it comes to mental gymnastics. But this piece really talked about how a lot of people were relieved that she was <laughs> that she's white. Like, what else is she going to be or that she appears white, even though I think they're going to raise their kids to understand that they're biracial. After all, their grandmother, who will play an incredibly large role in their lives, is a black woman. Right. But like. With all the talk of like skin color and, you know, how dark the kids are going to be and, you know, who the royal racist is, a lot of folks just seem a little bit too relieved. And this is what this article literally states. Some people were like extremely, seem to be extremely relieved that these kids are lily white. I mean, they're still a quarter black. And as people get older, they do get a little bit darker, but like, for all intents, and pur- all intents and purposes, phenotypically, when you look at them, they I would say that they're white children. Um, a lot of people just seemed a little bit too relieved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't personally care. I love Harry and Meghan as long as their children are happy and healthy. I want that for any child. I don't care what they look like. But like the haters, you know what I'm saying? Like the critics. So that article really delves into the weirdness of that. Like this relief that, oh, well, you know, they're still white, so it's okay. Um, And what's really at the heart of that, which is racism. So, um, and why Harry and Meghan really, why they dipped in the first place. Because it's untenable uh, to be around and among that type of sentiment all the time. It's exhausting. Um, but I will link that article below. Definitely take a take a look at it and, and y'all tell me what y'all think. But I thought it was well written. I think it was just more so sort of like 
the tone of it was sort of sarcastic, but certainly underneath the sarcasm, the columnist does point a critical finger at all of the critics who have a good time bashing Harry and Meghan while promoting the monarchy and all of its racist shenanigans. And then there's the suggestion that the kids are so white that Megan couldn't possibly be their mother, which is so stupid. It is so stupid. And not even to really give that any, you know, time or space on this podcast. But somebody brought up an excellent point on Twitter. Racist white people are always demanding birth certificates from people of color especially from black people. They did it to Obama. They removed Megan's name from her child's birth certificate, from Archie's um, birth certificate where her name was there and then they removed it. Um, and I believe we, we kind of saw a copy of Lily's birth certificate. I don't know if it was authentic, but um, even still, like who are you to demand? Like, it's just so weird racism, man. Like, Megan is a biracial woman. I refer to her as a biracial black woman because I see her as genetically biracial. But when she reached a certain status in her life, they made it known to her that you are black. You are not like us, you know. Um, And really like the same for Barack Obama. Barack Obama has said himself, I see myself as a black man because that's what that's the way the world has treated me. That's the way the world has regarded me, even though his mom is biracial or his mom is white. He is biracial. His family uh, that raised him is white. Um, It is so weird to see folks who hate this woman somehow feel as though they have ownership or more of a relation or connection to her child than she has with her own child just because she's not totally white. It's just so weird. It's so weird. I sort of liken it just seeing that part of it. It's disgusting, but I I liken it to women. You know, there are black women who have adopted white children, right? And then when they take their children out in public, or let's just say they have adopted plenty of children, some of them happen to be white. And then when they're out in public, people treat her as if she kidnapped the child. (laughs) Like, when it's legally her son or daughter. Or like even when Megan said when she was a child, people regarded her mother as if she were her nanny when Doria is her blood mother because Megan was just a fair-skinned child. Um, I just find it so weird. And racism really corrupts the brain. It, it, it it's, it's like worms that eat at your brain. If y'all don't leave this woman and her child and her children alone, just leave them alone, child. Don't y'all got other things to do? It's just so weird how people just focus on any and every little thing that she does just so they can find a way to critique it or find a way to delegitimize the life that she is living. It's just so strange. But aside from that nonsense, I am so happy for Megan. I'm happy for Harry. They have their babies. Megan, I bet she's just like, an awesome mom and 
They're living the life that they simply just wanted to live. Netflix or not, Spotify or not, they just wanted to be a family, have their kids and do their work. And they get to do that. Now, not without a bunch of, you know, nonsense in the background, but it's much easier to tune it out from Montecito than it is from Kensington Palace or Frogmore Cottage. Best believe, best believe. And I can't believe it's already halfway through this year. It felt like forever ago that that memoir was announced. But as we work our way through summer and especially once we get to autumn, y'all better get ready for some craziness. Okay, I, I, I tend to try to tune the British media out. Um, sometimes I can't help but laugh at the ridiculousness of it. Um, I mean, like, just for example, the way they talked about Netflix and Netflix and Netflix before this Jubilee and even after it, you know, they didn't have any evidence of Netflix. So they made up some story about uh, Harry and Meghan asking the queen, can can they bring in a photographer? They go with their narratives and that's fine. But as we approach that book coming out. Who child, we finna see shenanigans like we ain't never seen before. You just wait. Because they thought they were afraid of the Oprah interview. They thought they were afraid of the Oprah interview. And that didn't do them any favors. Make no mistake about it. But they're really afraid of this book. So as we work our way through summer, just watch. All you're going to hear and, and read about and see headlines about is memoir, memoir, memoir. We also have Megan's podcast coming up, Archetypes. Can't wait for that. They promised us it would be in the summer. So we will see. Uh, and I look forward to whatever else they have um, in store for the rest of the year. Um, it's always a win with me because they're doing what they want to do and they're doing it freely. That's the only thing I ever really wanted for, really want for anybody, but especially them, given what we saw them go through. So tell me what y'all think about everything. I know I probably missed some things, but I just wanted to hop on here and I just kind of get my take about some of the things that I, I felt like I witnessed and things of that nature. And I will be putting out some more uh, short form videos on YouTube. So if you haven't uh, found me on YouTube, definitely find me over there. Uh, just to talk about some things in a little bit further detail that I just, you know, don't have time to do on this podcast. But definitely hit me up on all the places. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Mood, on Instagram at Sussex Set. You can find me on TikTok. I believe it's Sussex Mood as well as on Patreon. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And... As always, I will catch you guys on the next one. And so until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.